Good morning, Clorins. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. Well, you noticed in that video, it had uh, Port Huron scenes, all these different things, kind of give you the summer vibes and uh, kind of get us ready for that. I don't know if you knew that on Tuesday, uh, June 21st, was the first official day in su- of summer. And when you live in Michigan, sometimes that's tough to understand and know because tomorrow could be fi- 50 degrees or 60 degrees, and then you have 100 degrees. But summer is officially here, and so we are kicking off a series called Psalms of Summer. We've been talking about that. And, uh, and so one of the things for me when I think of summer, I think of vacations, family trips, and for us, we did a lot of uh, vacations, some trips, camping, that type of thing, and whenever we'd go on long trips, I always remember my dad and my mom, they always decided to go late at night. They wanted to travel through the night and get there when you're going more than like 12 hours or so, travel through the night, and so they would always tell us that the reason that was is because it just, it, it got us there quicker, and uh, they just liked to drive at night. What we found out is they just didn't like hearing us say, are we there yet all the time, and, uh, and so that we get to sleep. But I remember these are back in the days before seatbelt laws and all that type of stuff, you know, when you can pack your kid in the trunk and just kind of let them get there. Um, And so we lay on the floor, we're in our minivan, and I remember sleeping on the floor. And for me, where I like to to sleep when we were on trips is right behind my dad's seat. I'd lay on the floor there because whenever we drive through the night, he would would keep a thing of peanuts underneath his chair to keep him up at night, right? And so you could reach underneath the seat and kind of grab those peanuts and try and sneak them there. And so I I would tend to do that. The problem is, is he'd always catch me. Like, so I'd get there, I, I'd pull the peanuts back, I'd open up the can, and I'd start to take it. All of a sudden, this hand would come out of nowhere. You know, like dads have these extendable arms hands, and it'd come back and try and grab, and so he'd put the lid back on, push it back there, and go, man, how did he figure that out? Come to find out, peanuts have a very distinct smell. And so when you open up the lid, he my peanuts are open. Dan! And then his hand would come back and, and he'd get me. And so that's just kind of how, but for me, I think of that. But we'd also, as we're driving through the night, um, my dad, he'd be the one that usually drove. And so they turned the radio on. And so when he turned the radio on, you know, a lot of people that listen to different songs, find the right song. Not my dad. He'd go to the AM station and he'd try to find a talk radio. Who does that, right? Talk radio, that <laughs> Pastor Phil, me, it was me. Uh, it's talk radio, he'd find the right station and come to find out it also helped put your kids to sleep when you have people talking in the background. And, uh, but for him, it'd keep them up. But, but for me, I like listening to songs and music and we live kind of in the world where Spotify does all that. But back in the day, you would turn your radio and you keep trying to find the right station that has the songs you like, right? So you turn the, the radio and go that. And then they added the, the, progr- the, the scan button so you could just hit the button and it kind of finds the songs like like that. When we think of songs of summer, that's kind of what I think of is like, how do you find the right song to listen to, to kind of get you going? Um, Psalms of summer is kind of similar. I think of the, the correlation is there's a lot of times in life where we go through, we say, hey, God, I want you to speak to me, and, and so I'm trying to find the right passage. So we grab our Bible, right? And we go, okay, Lord, where do you want to talk to me today? right here, right? And we kind of open it up, and we kind of look at that, and, and so often when we do that, I don't know about you, I open up my Bible. A lot of times I open up the Psalms. It's, it just, it just kind of gets right there. Come to find out there's some reasons. One, Psalms is actually the middle of the Bible. So if you open up and put your thumbs in the middle, it's a good chance you're going to, if you have a Bible that doesn't have like the commentaries and all the stuff in the back, you'll open right there. The other reason, it's got 150 chapters. So your chances are a little higher to hit that. But as you're going through life, as you're, as you're looking at different things, so often we look at Scripture saying, hey, where can I turn? 
Where can I look? And for us, this idea of, of Psalms of Summer is we wanted to take some time to look at these Psalms, these different things on how God can speak to us this summer from different perspectives. And maybe some of you have your pre-programmed, right? If you keep the radio analogy, you keep that pre-programmed, and you've memorized a few Psalms, different things like that, and so you pre-programmed. But we're gonna be walking through some different ones this summer and saying, hey God, how can you teach us from this? So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna start at the beginning, chapter one, we are not going to go through all 150 this summer. Um, different, uh, Pastor Phil, Pastor Ann, uh, one of our interns, we're all going to speak from different ones that kind of God's laid on our heart. But today, we're going to start in Psalm chapter 1 to kind of walk through this. But before we get into that passage, I want to give you a background a little bit about Psalms. So you kind of know where it's coming from and what's going. The, the, the word Psalm comes from the Greek word psalmos. Psalmos. And the word, what that means is a song sung to harp music. That's the official meaning of that. We've shortened down that to make psalm means song or hymn. And that makes sense, right? Like when you think about that, some of the songs we sing um, here with the worship team, or maybe when you're growing up, kind of came out of psalms. And so you'll be reading a passage, and someone goes, where have I heard that before? Well, it's a song, right? Kind of fits with the psalms of summer, meaning songs of summer. See how that works? We did that on purpose. I don't know if you caught that. But when we look at this, psalms is broken up a little differently. Of the 150 chapters of psalms, it actually has five books. And so every so often when you're looking at things, it might have the title book one or book two. And so at the beginning of chapter one, 42, 73, 90, 107, you'll see these five books. And I don't know if you ever noticed that before. And for me, I start asking, well, what's the reason for that? Well, quite honestly, I don't fully know. Um, but when, when, when I looked through it and looked it up, a lot of scholars believe that those five books are in reference to the first five books of the Bible, something called the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so these books kind of reference back to those things. So you'll see these five books in there. Within the five books, though, you're going to see different genres of psalms. So let's, let's keep with our, our uh, radio tile analogy, right? Think of when you're going to music, you have genres of styles you like. Classic rock, pop, country, oldies, whatever it is, different things. Psalms has the same thing. There's different types of psalms that, that, are, that are throughout. And I found five different types that we can look at. The first one is a hymn psalm or a song psalms. And, and these are meant for praising God. This is a lot of times what we turn into music. So we'll sing these on Sunday morning, and these psalms have turned into praising. How can we actually praise God, give back to Him something that, that, that He's given to us? The second one is lament or complaint psalms. I'm really good at this one. So this is what, where we have, when we talk about the things that we struggle with as human beings— and we give back. So you'll see the writers of these psalms are saying, God, they're crying out to God. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I, I, I want to complain a little bit to you, but in a godly way, not always, but it lament my problems to you, God. And so you'll read psalms like this. I, I, I relate a lot to these when I'm going through struggles in life. There's royal psalms. And so you have, at this time in, in Israel's history, a lot of kings are rotating. And these kings would write words to God or from their perspective, and they become a historical window, and they've made it into the psalms. So there's royal psalms. Then there's thanksgiving psalms. And, and these are, simply put, how do we thank God? Different than giving back of praise, but a, a sense of gratitude 
for what God has done in our life. And then the last one, and the one we're actually going to look at today, are wisdom psalms. And these wisdom psalms are speaking of God's wisdom and the benefit of following Him, right? It's the idea of matters, focusing on matters of eternity, matters of relationship, and not just short-term, but it's kind of the long-term investment that we want in life. And these are the different areas that we're going to look at today. Psalm 1, which we're going to take a peek at, is a wisdom psalm. The last thing I want you to know about the Psalms is the authors. Um, so many people think that David wrote the Psalms, and he wrote a good portion of them. He actually wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms came from David. But there were different authors as well. You had um, Asaph, Solomon, Moses, Ethan, sons of Korah. A lot of different authors have, have kind of invested into Psalms. But 48 of the Psalms, 48 of the Psalms are just unknown. That no author has spoken to any, that has not claimed these. So why do I tell you that? Because I think it's important for us to know that no matter who the author is, no matter the background of these, God is the one that inspired it all. God's the one who said, hey, I want to share something with you, believer, with you, person in struggle, with you, person who's going through something, I want to share something with you so that you can hear it. And he inspired every word that's written in this book, which means it's important for us to take some time and study this and look at it in a new way, all right? So it's important. So we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 1. There's six verses in here, and let's read these real quick. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whosever leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers." Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, the first word you see in this passage is the word blessed. Blessed. That word means happy or fortunate or luck of holy luck type thing. And the idea is, is that God starts with this passage, the author starts here and says, hey, I want you to know that this is the purpose of this first Psalms. And to be honest, to start off the whole Psalms, it's a great way to do it, right? Happiness, if we can learn this, if we can hear this, I want to bring you happy, delight, a luck of holy luck that, that God has for you. It's a directional antenna, right? So if it's like on a car, the antenna that gets a radio signal, it's the directional antenna. It's the way we want us to look at this. Jesus, Jesus does the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. He preached one of the the greatest sermons ever preached, right, in the Sermon of, on the Mount, and he, and he goes on, he says this word many times, he says, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to know that when you do this, there, there's the ability for happiness here. I, I want you to have delight in this. Maybe not happiness the way you think of it, but it's coming. This author in Psalm chapter 1 is saying the same thing. Hey, happiness is my goal. The, the way that God views this, the, the happiness that comes from God, 
That's my goal. So let's look at this and see how we can do that. And then he unpacks that by giving us two action steps, two images, and then a decision. Right? Two action steps, two images, and a decision. He says, but my goal is for you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed, and we're going to see how this looks. So let's jump in here. The first action I want to point out to you is the words delight and meditate. Delight and meditate. You see this in verse 2. It says, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, both delight and meditate are action steps, but they're of the same accord because they both point towards one thing, which is, it says, the law. Delight in the law, meditate in the law. And so some of you are sitting going, what's the law that they're talking about? Well, they said this in Israel at this time, the law would be the Bible. And what the Bible was, was the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And that's what they had. The, the word as we know it today, all the, weren't added yet. So they had the first five books and it was called the Torah. And the Torah has two meanings. That word Torah has two meanings. The first meaning is to throw something as to hit its target. To throw something that it hits its target. And, and this is, here, here's what it looks like. Last summer, um, we were at a family reunion and we decided all the guys to go axe throwing. Anybody, anybody go axe throwing? Okay, so I haven't, I had not done this before. I had not grown up on a farm, so like I didn't know throw axes and do all that type of stuff. So, so I, I go in there for the first time, and they put an axe in your hand, and they say, hey, there's a, there's a wooden thing that you throw an axe, and you try and hit the center of target. Here's what I learned. I'm not good at it. I tried. I'm doing all these different things. What's funny is, is my son Wilson, he was six years at the time. They put an axe in his hand to try as well. That's crazy, but they set it up so he can do it. He ain't good at it either, but he's probably better than I was. Uh, just getting it up there, throwing those axes, I'm not good at it. But I had some cousins who went that they were. They were really good at this thing. They, they could do it one-handed. They could take two-hand. You could sing the go, and they hit the center of the stinking thing every time. How does it work? Like, I don't know how they do it. I'm just not good at it. This is kind of the same thing. What it's saying is, is that God's word, him speaking to us, is him throwing his words in a way that it hits its target. Who's his target? Us. Did you catch that? It, it, the idea is, is that he's throwing what he has, all of him, his words, in a direction, and it's going to hit his target, which means no matter where you're at in life, when God speaks to you, he hits his target. He doesn't miss. That's pretty exciting. So he says this word, that, that this word is supposed to be thrown in such a way that he hits his target. He hits us. And so he wants the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, to hit the target, which is you and I. And then it goes on to say that the second idea of Torah is the word to teach. To teach. Now this makes more sense to me. The idea of teach is taking information from one person and giving it to another person, right? So if we're looking at this from the biblical perspective, it says, hey, these first five books of the Bible, we want to teach people how to live a godly lifestyle, the law, and give it to someone else. So here, here, here's the word picture here, right? It says that we're supposed to delight in the law. That means 
that when we come to the realization that God is actually speaking to you, you catch that? If he's throwing his word to you in such a way to hit a target, he's speaking to you. That when we understand that he's speaking to you in such a way that he wants to meet you where you're at and give you information so that you can have happiness, blessed, we're supposed to be happy ourselves. Is anybody else not excited about this? Because you're looking at me like, okay, we're catching up. Did you catch that? God is speaking to you directly where you're at to help you out specifically for you and he's gonna do it on a regular basis through his word. That's exciting. And so he says, delight in that. When you recognize that God is talking to you, each and every one of you individually, he's talking to you, get excited. And he says, then once you've done that, once you've delighted and gotten excited about that, he goes on to say, then meditate on that same law. The word meditate, um, the actual Hebrew word is Hagah. Say that with me. Hagah. That's just a fun word to say. Hagah. And Hagah, that word, is actually the same word that Isaiah uses in chapter 31. He says this, as a lion growls, a great lion over its prey. He uses the same word Hagah to speak about how a lion sits over its prey. So he says, hey, you as, you as believers, you as people who are reading God's word, hearing from God's word, I want you to sit over God's word in the same way that a lion gets ready for its prey. Meaning I want you to ruminate. I want you to get excited. I want you to salivate because God is speaking to you. And then, he, then as you pounce on it, you chew it up, right? He takes his prey and he ruminates. And he makes it part, that line makes it part, it's prey as part of them. That's the same word it uses how we're supposed to dive in to God's word. Meditation is an act of chewing. It's an act of making it a part of you. I often think of it sometimes, I've always struggled with meditation because I think of like Eastern European, right? I've always thought about when they tell me, hey, empty your mind, empty your mind. But that's not really what it's saying. Meditation is actually a filling of your mind with one specific purpose. And that's all you can think about. And so in Psalms 1 here, it's telling us to get excited, delight, but then meditate and chew on it. Ruminate on it. Eugene Peterson says it this way. Meditation moves from looking at the words of the text to entering the world of the text. As we take this text into ourselves, we find that the text is taking us into itself. It's telling us that don't just read these words like another textbook. It says put yourself in there. Make this a part of your story. God's not just saying, hey, read this story and and just use it as you want. He's saying, no, I want you, I'm inviting you to be part of the God story. I'm inviting you to be part of this thing. That's exciting, right? Like, he wants you to be part of his story. 
not just to read about awesome things that happen. He wants these awesome things, blessed, right? He wants it to happen to you. That's the first action. Get excited, delight in the law, that this, and then meditate and you make it a part of who you, of everything you are so that you can be a part of God's story. So then there's a second action that it talks about, and it's the opposite of what we just talked about. The second action is walk, stand, and sit. Walk, stand, and sit. And in verse one, it tells us, it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. You see, if the first action is about hearing God's word, and that's where blessedness happens, following what God has to say, it says the opposite of that is to walk in the way of the wicked, to listen to them, right? Catch that? First way, action step, follow God's plan. Second is follow the world's plan. These are two opposite things. And so then it goes on to tell you what that looks like. It actually gives you a progression of sin. The walk, the stand, um, and the sit. It's got, Pastor Phil, can I use you real quick? Can you come on up here? So, so Pastor Phil is going to represent sin. <laughs> I've been waiting to say this all week. You are sin. Um, and so he's going to represent, can you stand right here? Um, so he represents sin, and for us as, as people who are walking in life, as we go through things, different things happen. When we first come across sin, we don't notice too much. We see it's there, but we kind of walk past it, right? We walk and go, oh, something's there. It kind of catches the corner of our eye. It sits there, right? So we're, we're walking past this. This is the progression of sin as we walk. The second thing that happens, though, is once we notice sin, we begin to go and take a closer look at times. Right? And th th this is regards to any, like, whether it's stealing, adultery, whatever's looking at things on the computer you shouldn't, whatever it is, we don't usually go looking for sin. Sin usually kind of is there. And as we pass it, we still go, oh, something's here. So we go and we want to stand by it, right? So we stand, we get next to it. How you doing, right? <laughs> and we're just like checking it out, seeing what's going on. And now we're, we're, we're near it. We haven't touched it yet. We haven't, we haven't interacted too much, but we're just kind of like, huh, that doesn't look bad. And then eventually what happens, it says, we take a seat next to it. And we begin to set up camp next to sin. Right? And it becomes part of maybe who we are. And then what happens is, is it becomes part of who we are. Where we go, we stand up. All of a sudden, sin is a part of everything, and so it begins to follow us. And the sin, wherever we go, is there. We kind of forget, and we turn, and then we, that's where we turn. Would you give Pastor Phil a hand for his help today? Thank you, sin. That's the progression it's showing us here. Did you catch that? It says the first thing is we're exposed to the influence. We walk past it, right? We're just exposed, nothing big, we're just there. And then it moves to the next part, says then we deliberately look at it. We go back for a second, look, we stand by it. It's a deliberate thing that we do. And then it says, the final thing is, is we seat ourselves down and we set up camp. And that becomes our purpose. We begin to look at this sin 
instead of this, God's word. And it says, hey, you can't do that. You can't trade in God's word for the wicked. They can't live in the same place. One has to win out. And so we have to do that. It goes on then to give us our first image. The first image, remember I told you, there's two actions, two images, a decision. The first image then it says, because when we choose sin, it's like, it says in verse four and five, it says, not so the wicked, it's like chaff in the wind. Chaff in the wind, it says. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Now, if you don't know what chaff is, I have a picture of it. Chaff is the, the seed, the husks, the, the different areas that fall off of the harvest, that kind of get stuck and kind of ran. It doesn't do much. It, it doesn't produce crop. It doesn't do that. And so they collect all of this, and then they spread it out different places, whatever, but it doesn't help. And so it ends up blowing away. It's the dead stuff of the harvest. And this is what it's saying is, is like when we follow sin, when we, when we look at sin and we, we begin to walk in that progression of sin, it blows away. It produces nothing. Another word picture I think of is a tumbleweed. You know a tumbleweed? It's the, the little things that are like usually found in Texas and dry places and roots and trees kind of break off. And when they wither and die, they crumple. They become a ball and they stick to each other. And they're easily blown out, help for nothing, but it blows around in different ways. I think of that a lot of times when I think of this, because when we follow the ways of the world, and we're looking for paths to go, so often we're, we're blown around aimlessly. There's not life producing from us. To be honest, we end up stealing life from other people. We get stuck on things. It's like that tumbleweed blowing around. And he says, when we follow the progression of sin, we're like chaff in the wind. We're not producing life. If anything, we're taking away from it. And it gives us the second image I want us to see. And this is in verse 3. And it's a tree planted by the streams of water. And it says this in verse 3, it says, that person, the person who, who delights and meditates, right? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose life does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now here's the deal. This word picture is pretty cool. At this time in history, when this would have been written in modern-day Israel, and so Israel, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Israel, there's not a lot of trees around. It actually, I think of a picture, it looks more like this, a desert. <laughs> and so you have desert lands all around, and so, so that's happening. So when they're writing this and they're saying, hey, it's like a tree by the streams of water, it's going, well, where do you find in those trees? <laughs> well, in the desert, as you're walking around, eventually you might come to what they call an oasis, an oasis is a group of trees that's kind of clustered together, and so it's there, and, it, and somehow it has found life. And a lot of those trees have found life because it's near a stream. And those streams, as it's going, the trees sit there on the side of that, that stream, and a lot of times you can see in those trees those roots. And those roots are like diving down, and they're going to collect that water, that, that, that thing that's going to give it sustenance, right? 
And so they have these oases and things like that. And so when you get to this passage, this image it wants to give us, it says, hey, remember, remember the, 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 the dead stuff that when we're following the ways of the wicked, it's like the chaff, it blows everywhere. There's nothing there. But, but if you want to find life, be like a tree near the stream. That when you're in the desert, when you're under these different things, like, hey, it's going to build your roots into a way that gives you something that gives you life. Something that gives you sustenance. Something that will continue to produce. And when you do, it tells you that, hey, you're going to have fruits and you're going to see things prosper. And we talked about, you're going to get it because it's blessed, right? The happiness that comes from that. So that's what you're, that's what you're seeking. So what does this mean for you and I? Life is like a desert. We're going through a lot of stuff. If you're not in the desert, you probably can see one coming up. If you can't see one coming up, you might have just came out of one and you're tired and you're weary and you're struggling. Maybe you have the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're struggling with that work. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's even just with God, you're struggling. Regardless, you feel like you're in the desert. And you go, I don't know how I'm gonna survive. Psalm chapter one invites you out of the heat of the desert and into the shade and the oasis of the living water. It says, hey, if you're struggling, I'm going to show you happiness. Delight in my word. Delight in who I am. I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to speak to you right here. Let my word fill you up. It will be your living water. I have sent my son Jesus to die on a cross so that he can be your living water. Don't listen to the world. You're going to blow around like a tumbleweed, not knowing where to go. But when you build your roots deep, and when you get dug into the streams of the living water, I will give you life. And that is where you will find your happiness. Not in the way of the world, but in me. Two actions. Two images and a decision. The decision is this. When the desert of life comes our way, because it will, where are you going to get out of the heat? Where are you going to get out of the heat? Verse 6 says it. says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, The Lord watches over those who dig deep into them. But the way of the wicked, the way of the world, leads to destruction. The Lord wants to take care of you. The Lord wants to cover you. What decision are you making today? Where are you going to get out of the heat? I got one last picture for you because I think maybe you're like me that sometimes you feel alone 
as you're going through this and you struggle. If you walk through the desert in Israel, you're gonna come to an image maybe something like this. It's one lone tree in the middle of a desert. And they're all over the place, not clustered, but you see these trees. And the first time I heard about this, I'm sitting here maybe like you going, how is that tree surviving? Look around, no water. It's a, it's a wide shot. It's showing you no water, no nothing. Where is it getting its life to sustain this thing? The tree's called an acacia tree. And it's a special tree because this tree can actually get up to 30 feet tall. But if you were to dig down, its roots can go up to 100 feet in the earth. It dives down and what it's doing is searching for life. And what happens is in the desert, these lone trees, the reason there's all dry and stuff like that, it's, it's a lot of times that the that, that, that land has dried out. There used to be maybe streams that flowed through there, and so you'll see high walls and things like that. And so, so it's just nothing going on, so it has to dig down deep. But there was water at some point in time that flowed through that. And in the desert, I'm telling you, one of the biggest ways people die in the desert, you would think would be dehydration, lack of water, but it's not. It's actually drowning. Drowning. And what happens is, is because the land is so dry, it might rain miles away, and these waters, as it rains, the land doesn't soak it up, and so it follows these crevices and these, these, all these things, these valleys, and you as a wanderer are walking through there, you're in these little gullies and things like that, and the water comes by, and it comes in from way out of town, you don't even see it coming, and they say it can come 60, 70, 80 miles per hour of water, and it hits you. And it takes these people out. But you know what stands? After it dies down, acacia trees. Why? Because their roots are dug deep. So deep that it stands tall. Friends, where are your roots dug today? Where are you at? Are you delighting in God's word and letting him meet you where you at? Or are you listening to the ways of the world when you're going through the desert, when it's dry and hot and you don't know where to turn? Where are you going to get out of the heat? Even when you feel alone, can you stand tall like the acacia tree? You can if your source is God and you look for the living water. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for being a loving God who meets us where we're at. And Lord, sometimes we feel alone and sometimes we don't know where to turn, but may we be a people who can dig our roots deep to find true living water. May we meditate and delight in your word. Would you speak to us today so we can hear from you? Would you allow us to continue daily, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but daily to dig our roots to your source, the living water. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.